Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. Friends and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the amazing pop culture podcast starring Dags and Rez. Today we have a powerful episode, and now across this powerfully virtual Oaken desk is Biker DJ Rez. What's up, Dags? What's up, amazing friends? Hope your week has been good. I hope your life is good, and I hope your alcohol is good. Yes, life is short. <laughs> And so is DJ Mike Riz. Mm, true I'm, that. I'm not much taller. So I, <laughs> <laughs> powerfully blustery day here in the barn. It's a twister. It's a twister. It is. What's going on, man? Everyone talks about the weather, but no one does anything about it. Welcome, nope. friends. Welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. If you are new to this podcast, what it is, is me and DJ Mike Riz talking pop culture. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the movie, The Guns of Navarone, and also a powerful song of the day, and we're going to have part two, part two of Starlight Coke. This time, it's Micah DJ Rez's thoughts on that powerful beverage. Now, let's kick right. it off, Micah DJ Rez. What are your thoughts? Okay. Tell me about your experience with Starlight Coke. Well, first, I was a little, little down on, on my thoughts because I couldn't find it anywhere. It was uh, I went to two gas stations and they were completely sold out. So I thought, wow, it's, people are really flocking to to the gas stations because of your ear review. Is That's what, what I it is. It is. Yeah, I'm very and uh, then, influential. I'm a influencer. Right, you are exactly. And then third time's a charm. I went to the third gas station, and not only were their shelves packed, but their displays were packed as well. So awesome. it's very. Very neighborhoodly regional uh, Coke flavor, I think, is what we have here. So I grabbed uh, three bottles because where I was at, I don't know about the deal you found, but I had buy two, get one free. Yes. Okay. So I ended up buying two to get my third one for free. Uh, and you got to maximize your, your money these days because the money I saved on that bottle of Coke went right into the gas tank. Interesting beverage, though. It lived up to your hype. It there was a, a red, a red tint to it. It uh, reminded me of space. A hundred billion stars. And the bubbles did tickle my nose as I poured it into the glass, and, and then then took a sip of it. But wow, it, that's a different different flavor of Coke for sure. Yeah, it's pretty unique. It's kind of in between. I don't know how they did it, but there, it's a, there's a flavor in between vanilla Coke and cherry Coke, and they found it. I was thinking, what do you think graham cracker? Graham cracker? I was getting like a, a yeah, flavor? The, yeah. It somehow, uh, maybe. It had a little graham cracker, and there had this sweetness, and then it went into this weird... Cinnamony? Yeah, kind of a cardamom, maybe. Ooh, I bet, I bet you're right. Because you're right, there is a weird 
it's not, I don't want to call it an aftertaste because that makes it sound negative, but it was really good. There's um, a, yeah, there's a lot of depth to it. Or, yeah. You know, there really was, you know what I mean? Thought out of a Coke. <laughs> yeah. Because normally like I've tried other ones and you know, they come out with a new flavor and it's just, it's just sweet. And it's, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's strawberry flavor, but this thing has stuff going on. Yeah. No, I agree. It was a, it was a, it was a good Coke. It was confusingly deep in flavor. Like, I know I joked around about, you know, can you taste the oak in it or what, you know, kind of hints are you getting, but yeah, no, there's a lot going on on that, in that flavor. Your, your palate is very excited every time you take a drink. That's for sure. Much like your ears when you listen to this podcast, the most Mm -hmm. powerful podcast ever created. So DJ Micarez, did you pour it in a glass or did I ask you, or did you drink it out of the bottle? Poured the first one into a glass. I had to see what this red, this red coloring looked like. And it was like a deep maroon. Well, not a deep maroon, but like a lighter maroon, brighter maroon. I don't know how to explain it. Maroon five, I would say. Yes. So, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was really bubbly too. There's a lot of carbonation. In this one. Yes. It was very effervescent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what are you thinking about adding booze to it? How do you think that would work out? I think if you do it, it would just, it would be a Jack and Coke or rum and Coke, whatever you're using. Yeah. I think ultimately that's what it's going to be. I was thinking of a rum. Yeah. Like a Captain Morgan. I don't, I don't know if you'd use a a light rum. Like you use, I was wondering if a darker rum would uh, conflict with it because it already has that richness to it. Sure, like if you're adding more spice to something that already feels like it has spice. Yeah, so I, I was wondering, I we could uh, do an experiment using both a, you know, light rum and a dark rum. That might have to be the weekend experiment, eggs. Like, yes, Coke is really getting a lot of mileage out of starting like Coke with us. Yeah, I want to party now. <laughs> Don't you want to party? Oh yeah, Doesn't every, it, every weekend. I mean, it's like it's like spring and summer and. That that drink just kind of woke us up from our <laughs> two years of imprisonment. Nobody wants to be a houseplant, Dags. Things are sure. looking up, DJ Micarez. That's true. As we talk about beautiful beverages, mm-hmm. I want to talk about a beautiful song that ties into our show, The Guns of Navarone. It is Force 10. And Force 10 is a powerful song written, produced, and performed by the Canadian powerful rock trio Rush. It was actually released as a promotional single from their powerful album, Hold Your Fire. And it was the last song written on the album. And the song has powerful reviews, and it peaked at number three on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. Now, the writing of this song is kind of weird, because, you know, you think Neil Peart writes all their songs. Right. But later on, they gave credit to Pyle Dubois, because he also co-wrote Tom Sawyer. And I don't know when this came in because it was always, you know, uh, Neil Peart wrote Tom Sawyer wrote all the songs, but now Dubois guy is getting his credit he's deserved. Yeah, I bet there was some legal activity involved. Usually that's what happens. So according to Neil Peart, the song describes storms of life using the Beaufort wind scale from 1 to 10, course 10 being the most powerful. Apparently Neil Peart... <laughs> is a weather fanatic. So he makes <laughs> references to the eyes of the storm, circling hurricanes in the lyrics. Nerd. Yeah. And he also, I've always talked about this because I've been to a lot of Rush concerts. He, he gives his appreciation to the small amount of women that actually go to Rush shows. <laughs> Just sausage fest every yeah. concert. 
So I used to always like when the lights went up, all you'd see is a bunch of bald 40-year-old heads. <laughs> and, then a, uh, and then a couple girls that the guys drag them to. That's fo- funny. <laughs> it's true. Force 10 was written in three hours on December 14th, 1986, the last day pre-production of Hold Your Fire. They wrote nine songs, and then the producer, Peter Collins, felt it was important to have one more tune for the album. And that's when they got together with Pyle Dubois and uh, Neil Peart. He basically wrote it, Pyle, and then Neil Peart put some more verses to it. And for you nerds, Forrest Tan is composing an A minor with changes into an A major scale during the song. The song is set in a common time, fast rock tempo. What they were doing in this, they were trying to explore some musical areas that they really haven't gotten into yet. Geddy Lee was doing a, kind of a weird picking thing on the bass that he picked up from his friend, Jeff Berlin. And so you can really hear that picking at the end of the song. There's, uh, it stands out a little bit. Now I want to ask you, what do you think the sound is in the beginning? Um, it is a sample. It's a sample? Oh, okay. And it is a tool, I'll give you a hint. Is it a saw? Jackhammer. Jackhammer. Yeah, the cool drums be in the beginning? My third guest. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. <laughs> now, it brings back memories to me because seeing them in concert and they always had this cool animation, like this tornado, and it was always playing behind Neil on the drum kit. During this song, Force yes. 10? Oh, yeah. It was magical. The beginning, that that cool uh, drum sample would kind of just echo throughout the stadium. Now, Mike, what are your thoughts on this tune? Um, First it, off, have you heard it before? I have not heard it before. It sounds like a Rush song, though. and I <laughs> What I mean by that is when you hear it, you know it's Rush. Like even off the first couple of notes, you just know that it's a Rush song. They have that that unique sound uh, with the guitar and and the the drumming. But it before I mean I knew it was a Rush song, but just kind of trying to listen to it for the first time and just trying to pick it apart a little bit, you can tell that it's definitely off of a Rush album. And then you got Getty Lee's vocals kick in. But no, it's a good song. I I'm not gonna put it on repeat or anything um but it's a solid too and i could see why they wanted to start off uh the the album with it because it was the last one they wrote but it was the first one on first track on the album i believe uh on hold your fire brings back memories i always thought it was cool because i like i'm a storm guy too you know hurricanes tornadoes all those scary things just the power of mother nature so i like how he invokes that in the lyrics of the song now, what what scale do they use in Canada for tornadoes? Do they get tornadoes in Canada is what I want to know. I would guess they get rarely. I would I'd guess so, too. Yeah, just I don't know why they popped into my head, but they're just thinking with the, with the weather aspect of it, if it was, if tornadoes and the winds and, and hurricanes, if that all came into play because it's something that, has been through or seen in Canada. <laughs> oh, sure I see what, what you're traveling. saying. Like, pers- like personal experience or. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. I'd have to look into it. Yeah. I need to know what kind of scale they use. If it is, if they do get tornadoes, I, think I, the, I doubt they use the fajita scale. That's uh yeah. They use the enhanced fajita fajitas. So it's yes. when the, when it comes out, it's 
that plate is hot and those fajitas <laughs> are just sizzling. Just sizzling. Top plate hot. God, That's I'm what hungry. they say at restaurants a lot. Enhanced, well, you're always hungry. Enhance fajitas. <laughs> DJ Mike Rez, out of five twisters, what are you giving this song? Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half twisters. Because to me, it's not an outstanding Rush song. It just gets you pumped, but it's not not something that sticks out to me as as like the greatest Rush tune of all time. Did you hear any other songs on the album? I did not. Good, I did not. <laughs> good, because I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick one next week. Okay. Next episode. It's gonna knock my socks off. I think you're gonna like it more. Okay. Yes, and I am giving this. Six out of five on the Hans Fujita scale. <laughs> Maximum damage. Wow, you went over. I don't think yes. we've ever gone over the scale before. <laughs> Powerful. God, I'm excited. We got Starlight Coke. We got fajitas. We got a war movie. Let's get into it. Mike or DJ Rez, tell the fans a flock of Amish. Tell the fans <laughs> our <Wow>. amazing friends. <laughs> About the movie, The Guns of Navarone. Amazing friends. The Guns of Navarone is a 1961. That's right. We went way back to the 1960s. Uh, It's a war film directed by J. Lee Thompson. And the screenplay was written by Carl Foreman. And it was all based on the Alistair MacLean 1957 novel that is also called The Guns of Navarone. Uh, The film stars Gregory Peck, David Nevin, Anthony Quinn, and it also has Stanley Baker, uh, Anthony Quayle, Irene Pappas, Gia Scala, James Darren, and Richard Harris. Uh, The book and the film both share the same plot, so there's not really much different in the plot. So if you read the book and you haven't seen the movie, you're looking at the same thing here. Uh, It's uh, all about a uh, commando unit or mercenaries that are set to destroy a uh, German fortress in the in the cliffside on the island of Navarone. Um, and these guns that are sticking out um, that are hard to destroy uh, fire upon uh, Allied Navy ships in the Aegean Sea. And uh, every time a, an Allied destroyer or ship comes in, uh, through the Aegean Sea right there. They blast them right out of the water. Uh, so what this group of mercenaries or commandos, whatever you want to call them, is set to heroes. do is... I call them heroes. Heroes. There you go. They are uh, planning on an assault on these guns of Navarone uh, because the access powers, the Germans, uh, are planning an assault on the island of Karos where 2,000 British soldiers are stuck and they're trying to get them off this island. So to display their military strength and con- and to convince Turkey to join the Germans, they're going to show them their military might and try to blast these 2000 soldiers off of this island. And the Royal Navy is sending six destroyers in 7 days to this island. So they only have 7 days to uh destroy the guns of Navarone. And so these Six men who I like to call the the filthy half dozen. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know that's the way they are. They're not quite the dirty dozen, and there's only six of them. Uh, they pretend to be um, fishermen, and they get a really beat up old fishing boat 
and they start traveling to the island of Navarone, where they're going to meet up with some resistance fighters. Uh, on the way there, they get stopped by a German patrol boat, uh, and they take care of some business uh, on that patrol boat uh, in order to get free and to travel. Now, on their way to the island, they get stuck in a storm. Their boat crashes against the rocks, and chaos ensues from there as far as how they're going to get to their rendezvous point with their with the uh, resistant fighters that they're trying to meet up. By the, the way, the, the storm was rated for Stan. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. It looked like a rough, a rough storm. Once they get to the island, they have to climb a cliff, which is harrowing in its own right. But thank God, Gregory Peck's character is a is a mountain climber. He is. <laughs> and he he's, goes he's up a cliffhanger. First. Yeah, and that's why he's on the team. Is he's got to bring the team up the cliff uh, to get to the top uh, where they can meet up with their uh, their rendezvous on the island that's actually the the storm you think you know what what else could happen obviously they're gonna get into some shooting matches with the germans but there's a an injury on top of the rock uh with the major and then they uh, get found by the germans on the way there they get captured they have to find a way out and then they finally have to find a way to destroy the guns of navarone now, the island of Navarone does not exist in real life. It's a fictional island, but uh, the uh, the war obviously is a true story. And this is just a, it's kind of a an entertaining story. I really wish this, they would remake. This is like the first time, Dags, I'm going to say this on the podcast. I hope somebody remakes this movie with the special effects of today. Because it's a good story, and I think it would be better if it was made today. Unfortunately, shooting at night, you know, they have to put they have to put the filter on the camera and do the, you know, the blue light. The, yeah, the shooting during the daytime and make it look like it's night. And yeah, it's, it's so difficult to watch. It is. It's it's hard. There was another scene in the first three minutes of the movie when Gregory Peck's character comes in on the Jeep. Well, before that, there's a plane landing that's on, you know, kind of on fire. It's been shot at obviously and it's landing as it lands it flies by a airplane that is stuck in the in the sky digs it's not moving it's just floating there what the hell is that did you notice that yes it's like what the hell it's like is it supposed to look like it's flying in but it's just staying in one spot it just looks like a floating airplane could you see the string or not nope couldn't see the string (laughs) it just uh it was god it was so weird it was so yeah the first three minutes and right right away, it's a two and a half hour movie. And I was like, oh my God, I have two and a half hours left of this. You have to suspend your disbelief. <laughs> what was funny is well, we were talking about on a earlier episode about Reacher, how he was too clean. Right. <laughs> it's funny that soldiers in that first scene, they looked like they pulled a mandatory overtime at Jiffy Lube. Did you see <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he, said, he said the strategically placed oil all over him and. <laughs> yeah those bloody australians i tell you oh i love them it was awesome uh, it was funny it was really funny but yeah it's uh so you kind of have to go through and struggle with some of the 1961 special effects i would have loved to see it in the movie theater that's, you think so yeah i mean that's it the movie theater is i think it would have looked a lot better too just physically with the light you would be able to see better because, yeah. you, you know, because, you know, they have to take the film and they have to, every time it, they should, this thing, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of Dune when we watched Dune. Mm-hmm. And when they remastered. Which was the remake? 
No, the 1984 the, uh, one. So when okay. they remaster it or have to transfer it, it always loses stuff. And then the special effects kind of look really bad. Right. So I wonder in film if that, if the special effects would have looked better. Because I think a lot of times when you digitize stuff, you know, you get the contrast and, and all the noise and everything gets transferred and the computer tries to figure out what, what to get rid of. Try to fill in the noise it's trying to take out. Yeah, so I wonder on film if it would have had a softer, better look to it. Maybe. I think you were onto something there. It just, uh, so it was filmed in, I, I noticed it was filmed in Cinescope, uh, which back in the 60s was like the big deal when it came to uh, quality. And, and then uh, it was also uh, before Kodak bought Eastman. So before they became Kodak Eastman, it was just Eastman. So I actually, my film, film nerdery came out and I was like, well, let's see. I mean, Eastman's a good company when it comes to film and stuff. So it can't be too bad, but I think the quality of the movie, as far as film goes, it was fine. It was just the special effects and the floating plane and the, nighttime filters i think it just kind of ruined it some of the acting wasn't great yeah we'll get into the acting so we had major stars gregory peck david niven anthony quinn so who uh stood out to you as good acting and who did you not like uh well gregory peck of course he's he's the uh you know the leader of the bunch here but mallory yes but i ever since i've seen uh to kill a mockingbird i can't unsee him as Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. So his character is fine. The actor, I don't, you know, with Gregory Peck in there, I'm not really sure. But the dude that wanted to uh, to kill him, Anthony Quinn's character, he, I liked him a lot. So he was the one that uh, Colonel Andrea Stavro, and he was, uh, the their backstory between Gregory Peck and his character was that Gregory Peck uh, inadvertently had something to do with Anthony Quinn's character's, uh, uh, his family dying, getting shot by German soldiers. And he had promised him, uh, Gregory Peck, that he was going to kill him at the end of the war. So there's like this tension throughout the film. Uh, but I liked his character the best. It's kind of like Arnold on Commando when he said to Sully, Sully, you funny guy, I kill you last. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I lied. <laughs> Please do not disturb my friend. He is dead tired. Yeah. And of course, what happened Colonel to Sully? Andres. I had to let him go. <laughs> uh, Colonel Andrea Stavro gets the, gets the lady at the end. So yeah, it's also, uh, also an added bonus. One, Plus he, one of he the, shaves. Yeah. Makes him look like a baby yes. face. It was a very virile manly movie, wasn't it? Yes, that is true. Yes, I, I also like the uh, the other. Uh, the, he had the the a minor role, the Spiros Pepadimos. Pepadimos, I think that was his character's name. He was the the younger looking, suave character who's uh, the resistance fight. One of the resistance fighters that met them ended up being his sister. Yes, not to be confused with oh. Mister Papadopoulos from Webster. True that. So yeah, and that was played by James Darren. One of the ones that bugged me uh, was the uh, the butcher of Barcelona, <laughs> played by Stanley Baker. I wasn't a, wasn't a fan of that character. I don't understand. What was the whole What was, was the whole stabbing thing? What was that supposed to be about? Are you talking about the one on the uh, when the German boat got yes. him, or the one at the end? I don't know. That see that that's part of the bad acting. Like he he stabbed this German sh- soldier. 
didn't finish the job. And then when the soldier tried to sneak behind him, he hesitated. Eros had to kill him from behind. And then that became like some weird Dude, yeah. thing between him and Gregory Peck about, oh, yes. you, I can't trust you. It's like, no, it was just bad acting. Do you think Get Steven Spielberg it. ripped that off for saving Private Ryan? You know that must have stuck in his head. Oh, yeah, yes. probably. I mean, everything is ripped off in Hollywood, yes. so. You know what else is? I wouldn't put it past him. Weren't those, didn't those cigarettes and coffee just look delicious on the boat? <laughs> when you're in the big yes. storm. And- <laughs> yeah. You know, all the, all those cigarettes, I was like, man, oh man. It was, yeah. It was just very manly. They were just being mad yeah. and they were feeding each other cigarettes and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. And they were just like sharing. Yeah, it was very manly. Lighting each other's cigarettes. And then, yeah, the coffee bit. I, I don't know how they made coffee during a storm, but Hey, it got done. And then I was, <laughs> I was daydreaming that I was working on the set. And I had, to, I had to throw buckets of water on him during the storm scene. And then I kind of zoned out and I was on my phone. And then the director had said, cut, cut. It's like, what, what? Keep throwing the buckets of water. Get your bucket ready. God damn it. You've got 17 buckets. Throw them all. <laughs> and then the one thing that bugged me was the dive bombing sequence. Like, oh. They're dropping bombs. All those dudes would have been dead. Oh yeah, like the when the bomb has like a two inch radius when it blows up and it has zero shrapnel. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was weird. And then, uh, then, and yeah, go ahead. The major with the broken leg. I mean, that was because I think the pro- back then it was probably like a new thing. Like, oh no, now they have to deal with this broken leg. But now we've seen so many movies where there's it's like, oh god, another broken leg. God damn it. <laughs> then also, <laughs> but. You got to remember it, 1961, it was probably a newer, newer plot twist. And then I liked that whole Greek festival where everyone was singing. Oh, at the wedding. Yes. Yes, Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a good Yeah, I imagined you like at a 90s party singing like crash (laughs) test dummies or something when they came up to your table. Oh, yeah, that would definitely would have been happening. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely, there was also an A-team vibe of the whole thing, wasn't there? Uh, yeah. yeah, some kind of Lee May any any yes. Lee Majors type movie. That's what I was thinking. And also, George Lucas ripped up, ripped off uh, the Death Star from that totally, didn't he? Oh, I mean, wasn't it totally the <laughs> yeah. Death Star? Those guns? It was. Yeah, those. Yeah, those. Uh, those guns were. God, those guns were fucking. Yeah, massive. but it was totally the Death Star, and you know when the when they were going to shoot it, dun, 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 and the Death Star <laughs> blows up, you know, and the yeah. whole thing that thing blows up. What I liked about this movie is that when they spoke in German, they didn't do subtitles. So you couldn't understand what they were saying, but you understood what they were doing. Yes. And then, you know, the, the one the one soldier is yelling in German, yelling out instructions, and then, fire! Yes. <laughs> fire was, like, with the heavy German accent. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, Gregory Peck couldn't speak German well enough, so they dubbed all that. Did you know that? When I when I was doing research on it, yeah, yeah I read that's that. Crazy, I was like, oh man, it? they Arnold Schwarzenegger. Him. Wow. So. It's time to fire, <laughs> fire immediately. No, I all I could yeah, think of was, was a Death Star in Star Wars and Peter Cushing as Grand Moff talking. Wouldn't he be great as a Nazi? <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah, that whole yeah, well, that's what the whole yeah, thing was totally, about. Yeah, yeah just totally like Nazis, Nazis yeah. and stuff. So stormtroopers in yeah, those gray yeah. gray uniforms and everything. The scene where. Uh, Colonel Andrea Stavro pretended to be like an actual Greek fisherman that was kidnapped. Yes. So that that was actually pretty clever. I got to give him that. That was a, a good way to get out of a sticky situation. I don't know if they would have been able to overcome 
an SS officer and the German soldiers <laughs> that that easily, <laughs> but it uh, it was it was a good scene. I like that. Scene. You have ways of making you talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was oh God, what was the name of that truth serum they kept talking about? Scoplamine, which yeah. is funny, <laughs> is they give it to people for uh, motion sickness. Yeah. <laughs> Not not back in World War Two uh, if they wanted yes, to know what was going to yes. happen at Navarro. Truth serum. Yeah. The, uh, one thing I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring up, and I this is this is me telling the amazing friends watch the movie, but don't skip to this part. Watch it. It's like the climax at the end. It, this is your payoff. Is in the end when the butcher of Barcelona, in the last scene, he gets one of the last scenes. He gets stabbed. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, and then he he looks at the screen at the camera like oh i'm dying and then it looks like he gets kicked in the face with the way he he reacts with his death all of a sudden he he like jerks and turns at the same time you're like you just get like kicked in the face by someone we didn't see what the fuck happened there it was (laughs) quite a dramatic death scene i'm telling you powerful yeah it was it was crazy but yeah there's intrigue and inside there there's plot twists you got to remember this is 1961 so these plot twists were brand new back then and this is why so many people like the movie and there's a sequel forest 10 from Navarro. (laughs) that's right i found that out i thought you thought you were going to be tricky and sneak that by me i think (laughs) uh but yeah there is a sequel to the movie that was made in 1978 forest 10 from Navarro, and once again star wars starring harrison ford Robert Shaw, Edward Fox, Barbara Bach, Franco Nero, Carl Weathers is in this one. I want to see this one now. Oh, I mean, think about it. You yeah. Got Jaws, you got Star Wars, you got Predator, Rocky. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be, that, that one I'm actually going to try to find wherever I can find that one. I don't know where it's streaming, but you know it's streaming somewhere. We'll find it and we'll bring it yeah. to you, the amazing friends. Yeah, now Robert Shaw didn't even get to see this one. He didn't even live long enough after he filmed it to see Force 10 from Navarone. He passed away. I need a bigger gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did you know, so the guns of Navarone uh, actually won a couple awards. Did you know that? Tell us. The Academy Award. It won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects. <laughs> no, but I'm, I, I'm serious. I really think there's something to it. And it's, sure. it's also, though, you know, you see the state-of-the-art CGI now. You can't compare it. But I think if you would have saw it on the film, in the film version, mm-hmm. it probably would have looked better. Sure. Yeah, uh, it won a Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama. It also won a Golden Globe for Best Original Score. And it won a, something called a L'Oreal Award for Top Drama. It brought home some uh, gold or bronze or whatever you want to want to say i like i liked when the kurdish dude was sitting outside the door oh. and anthony quinn just slapped his shit out of him <laughs> dude with the knife yes. <laughs> yeah that was that was pretty funny who was the uh in the beginning of the movie when they they were talking about their plan but they hadn't looked like some navy guy in some white shorts serving them coffee and tea he looked familiar i just can't place what act who the, who he is as an as an actor, but I think he he did some some other movies. I know it's really great that I can't remember, but it uh, he was God. He looked very familiar, but he's not listed on anything that I can find as far as cast listing. 
because his role wasn't very Amazing good at friends, all. if you know, tell us. And the best way Please. to tell us is on Twitter, at AmazingPopPod. Follow us on Twitter, at AmazingPopPod. Also, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. We have a Facebook page. We're going to need you to like it. DJ Mike Rez, let's get to the review, the score. Out of five, what do you, when are you going to pick? Uh, we'll call them uh, five actual guns of Navarone, the, the guns that they destroyed. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this a three. Only a three. Why is that? Only a three. Uh, it just, it, it wasn't, I didn't feel that it was that great. It just, I mean, I think the problem is when we watch these older movies, I, I'm always comparing it to what I see now as far as special effects and acting and, and what's available now. And it just, the, the nighttime filter that's not really filmed at night, that bugs me. Yeah. There was t- the floating, yeah. floating plane bugged me. Um, they just, there wasn't, it was too long. I think it was a half hour too long. Um, when their ship crashed, they kept showing the ship almost falling off the rocks like eight times. It's like, we get it. it it's, it's going to get washed off. Just, you don't have to show us eight more times. Um, and that it just, I, I can see why older people and people who really dig movies more than me really dig this one, but I just, I can't give it more than three guns. How about you? I, I, I like the idea of having it remade. I like the actors. I like Gregory Peck. I like David Niven, Anthony, but I liked all of them. And you're right. When you see it through the lens of now and back then, it's kind of tough to sit through those blue scenes, you know? Right. I am giving it four, four out of five. Because I liked it. I mean, I'm, I was trying to forgive a lot of the, I think it was a bad transfer too. I really do. Like I said, I think in the movie theater would have looked a lot better. Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just being too hard on it, but. What did you think of David Niven? Uh, actually, he, he the, the explosive specialist. I, I was hoping to get more out of him as an explosive specialist. You know, he kind of was a little whiny at the end, and that kind of yeah. that kind of bugged me. But he he seemed like one of those. I think uh, if you remade it, you could make his character more. Who's that French dude from uh, from the uh, Mission Impossible movie, the first one? The guy who's in. Uh, oh yes. God, I can't think of the other movie, but it's got Natalie. Portman when she's younger, he plays that the professional, yeah, yep. yep. that actor. He could play that explosive expert pretty well, I think, if they remade it today. Yeah. So let's uh, real quick, who would you pick if you're recasting this? Um, I, you know, I was trying to think about that uh, last night. I think you'd have to get. Uh, I want to put. I don't want to put Ryan Reynolds in this movie, um, but no, I would put Ryan don't. Gosling in this movie, and I would have him play the guy who played the Greek dude that was from Navarone that ended up coming. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He'd have he's to play definitely, he was a sexy you, guy. You know, he was the the good looking yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying if you're going to pick him and I don't want him in a major role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't yeah, play. He'd no. have to be support. He's a better supporting actor. Now hear me out. What do you think of George Clooney as Gregory Peck? Yeah, I could see that. I would, I would definitely do that. Cause I loved, say what you want about George Clooney. I loved him in oceans 11. I think that was just perfect. Yeah. No, I, I like George Clooney as an actor, so I would, I don't have any problems putting him in with the Gregory Peck role. Now the, the ex Greek soldier, the one that wants to kill Gregory Peck at the end of the war. I, yeah. Anthony. Yeah. I can't, I can't really think of who I'd want in that role. I I just couldn't think of an, of an actor today that could fill that role. Yeah. I don't know. I, 
No, it, it'd be fun to recast that. Yeah. And, and it'd be a great movie to read. Right, yeah. Because it's a cool story, and now with technology, you can make it look a right. lot better. You know who you could get and probably get away with it is put uh, Antonio Banderas, some yeah, kind good. of Spanish actor, and, yeah. and just change the character. Maybe he's not Greek. Maybe he's from Spain. And then you... Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with yeah. that. If, if, if it's, you know, you know, I get, if it's close I get accused of being Greek <laughs> when people are trying to figure out who you I do, am. really? I've heard, oh, yeah, I've wow. heard Greek, Italian, obviously, and Armenian and Iranian. So people are trying to figure wow. out what, what nationality I am that don't know me. It's, that's always fun when people ask and say, well, what do you think I am? So, but the Greek one really threw me off. I was like, hey, hey I got the hair everywhere. <laughs> I was, also, when I was watching this movie, I thought it'd be a perfect movie to do voiceovers for. Oh. Like, me, like me and you should do that. Like, like yeah, Mystery, Science say, like Theater. Mystery Science Theater. Wouldn't that have been perfect? Oh yeah, that would have been fun. Just in just in real time, watch it and just make comments. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> it's got three three different posters. I'm looking at because like 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 in Batman when I was watching that with you, right. he's he's wearing the costume. She goes, "What are you trying to hide?" And I was gonna say, "My boner." <laughs> I was just, I was just, <laughs> there's so many lines I always have, and I so we should do that. We should somehow. Uh, do a mystery science where we could just watch some shitty old film and make, <laughs> make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And, uh, there's three different posters that I see. Well, one of them is the uh, 4K Blu-ray cover, but the original from 1961 is the best. You know, the, the one that looks like it's painted. Then I'm going to need the amazing friends to find the original movie poster for Guns of Navarone. Is that the one where uh, the ship's in the background? Yep, ship's in the background and uh, the one dude looks like he's constipated. I mean, Gregory Peck, they're all looking up at something. Must be the top of the cliff, but it looks like there's more than six of them in this in this poster. Check it out for the classicness of it. And, and to say that you watched it, don't expect much is what I'm telling you. Well, friends. no, I mean, there. this is a huge movie for people. People love I know. It. So it's whatever, it's whatever you're into. But remember what the French Connection, I wasn't really into that, and all I heard was how great that movie was. Yeah, whatever you're into, yeah. you know. It's a very it's a very manly movie, The Guns of Man. It is. It is a very man. Lots of coffee, lots of cigarettes. Oh my god. Powerful. Yep. God, that Greek coffee must be delicious too. <laughs> it's you gotta be. Yes. Well, I hope you guys had a good time tonight. Our powerful episode on the Guns of Navarone. Also Force Ten by Rush and Micro DJ Rez's powerful review of Starlight Coca Cola. As always, we ask you one thing which means many things. <laughs> Please tell a friend about our podcast. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter at amazing pop pod, Instagram, like our Facebook page. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the amazing pop culture podcast. Thank you for listening to the amazing pop culture podcast. The amazing pop culture podcast is available everywhere. Find podcasts are found. Please leave a rating and review where you listen to podcasts. Like and follow the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And shop our Amazing Pop Culture merch. This has been an Amazing Pop Culture Podcast production.